Hello, welcome back to this episode of TF, that podcast you're listening to right now. I am noticing, uh, given that we spent sort of, what, like 10 minutes futzing with various recordings, how much I drop into drive time radio DJ voice as soon as we start talking in a way that's intended yeah, for public t- consumption. Taking you through your commutes, it's Trash mm. Future FM. <laughs> you're listening to Riley, Riley and, and the Gooch. Gooch. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All th- the, th- the three co-hosts uh, with me today, Alice, Milo, and Nate, are collectively the gooch. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> oh, that's what it right. is. And um, I, I think sort of, you know, personally, uh, I'd like to just sort of jump right on in here. Um, because another certain figure who, while we have sworn to not talk about the organization with which he is associated, um, has uh, released his personal idea of a perfect Sunday on a desert island. That involves what he would like Riley and the Gooch to play for Drive Time Morning Radio in London. That's right. Here, Starmer, leader of the British Labour Party, has released his Desert Island Discs collection. <laughs> right. We should explain what Sunday. We should ex- bloody Sunday. <laughs> we should explain what Desert Island Discs is. Oh, right. If you're perfect. not familiar. Well, this is a. You know what this is? This is a mini Britonology. That we're doing yeah, right that's now. That's right. Desert Island Discs mm. is this thing that, like, it's this rite of passage that, like, every public figure and, like, every politician does, where <laughs> you go <laughs> on the radio. <laughs> Alice, not mm. every politician, because no? he's the first labor leader since uh, Miliband to do really? a Desert Island Disc. Yeah, Corbin never Jeremy got asked to do Corbin one. Jeremy Corbin didn't ah. do Desert Island Disc. Interesting. Yeah. How but, interesting. But the gist of it is, like, you, you yeah. go on this kind of quite cosy BBC radio show and you say, if I was stuck on a desert island, right, these these are the songs, this is the music that In I would American take American Virgin with Islands, me. for example. Yeah, if I were on Little St. <laughs> James, I would take these yeah. discs, because that's how old it is, these let's records. Say, let's say, hypothetically, you're stuck in a mosque. <laughs> yeah. Step leader of the opposition stuck yeah. on Desert Island. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, James, James Ball finds yeah. it. <laughs> so now we're on a we're on a desert island uh, and we have some hmm. discs. Right? Is that that's where we are so far. We're, we're, ju- we're just hanging out on yeah. the like temple on this desert um, island, yeah. listening to what are we listening to? Well, so curious, we're we're all hanging out on this desert island. We're on a desert island uh, with mm-hmm. Keir Starmer. We've been we've been shipwrecked on the like soft rock cruise uh, that we all went on, and um, <laughs> and we're doing. And Keir Starmer has decided to be the Oxcore DJ, uh, and he is going to put on three songs. Um, and he says these are entirely my own choices. The rude sandstorm. If you run into anybody I've known for a long time, they will tell you this is a genuine Keir Starmer list. I'm sh- wow, okay. Ooh. <laughs> Is that a KS? <laughs> Number one, 100 gets. <laughs> yeah, new. new, new can it's I get. Keir Starmer boiler room set. <laughs> can, I, can I get a legit check on this Keir Starmer <laughs> list? <laughs> um, so, what, what Keir Starmer is playing on his boiler room set, just like grooving while, you know, a bunch of. Um, the, the sort of uh, snarling reactionaries that he's empowered are all grooving beside him. Uh, mm. He's starting with. Out on the Floor by Dobie Gray, a classic of Northern Soul, which Starmer says reminds him of his early days in London, where he built lifelong friendships. 
Cool. Yeah. Okay. D- this is all going to sound like one long university Dude. personal statement, isn't it? <laughs> well, everything he does is basically a university personal statement. He's unable to speak my to man, the media. My man trying to get elected on UCAS points. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's Genuinely, I think that's clearing. the best criticism of, <laughs> of Keir Starmer that I've ever heard. Yeah. Uh, so he p- um I've actually got a Duke of Edinburgh gold award. <laughs> <laughs> um so a, a classic of northern soul so he's picked something from the former red wall. He also mm-hmm. picked Bridge which he over- says reminds him of London which yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> What's up? Okay. Um Bridge Over Troubled Water by artists for Grenfell specifically the Stormzy track because mm-hmm. it reminds him in the end, politics is about people, and that the Grenfell tragedy brought mm-hmm. a shudder to all. Yeah, a shudder, yeah. a shudder, and then the nothing fuck? else. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I appreciate that he's decided that uh, after, you know, after sending a bunch of people who are of the same demographic as Stormzy to prison for five years for stealing an ice cream bar mm. in 24-hour all-night court sessions when he was the director of public prosecutions, uh, I imagine he might be like, oh, well, maybe maybe they'll like me if I name check an artist I absolutely haven't listened mm. to. But you know what? I mean, hey, that's Britain in 2020. That's right. It's like, all you got to do is just make the right noises and it's okay. We don't have to think about the stuff you've actually done with the entirety of the rest of your life. Yeah, we- but politics is about people as yeah. opposed to, you know. Places uh, or things. Yeah, it's about one right. third of the nouns. <laughs> God damn it. Politics is about yeah, nouns, right. but it's not about pronouns. Okay? <laughs> that's we right. have to make this clear. I'm, I'm in, yeah, politics is you're in the noun business. Um, so basically, yeah. also, you, right? You get like, pronouns after you've served out your term as a noun. That's right. Uh, so he also says, right, Grenfell, the Grenfell tragedy brought a shudder to everybody, which again should just show you, like, how far how far the sort of idea of that things can be political has fallen, which mm-hmm. is that, no, it didn't. It absolutely didn't, because uh, if you recall, a lot of people covered it up. Um, yeah. it was, Remember when Theresa May went and like mm, refused yeah. to visit with any of the actual, you know, people that politics is about. Yeah, or, or how uh, many of those people are st- are been were in temporary accommodation for years after, or how the Lib mm-hmm. Dems tried basically like conspired to get a Tory elected in that in the very same seat where it happened, who almost just doesn't seem to want to engage with the reality of it. The idea that somehow this was a universal tragedy for everybody and that there aren't people who basically don't care or or there aren't people who's profited off of systematically making that kind of thing happen is completely asinine. It is so. Hey, but I mean, level. if you if 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 you've been keeping up with the inquiry, you may notice that uh, one of the companies that one of the contractors that did the cladding lost a bunch of emails because a guy claimed not to know how to work a laptop. Well, so, he should he should know. listen to the Stormzy song. Yeah, why didn't it bring a shudder to him? <laughs> yeah. Um. And then, but here's mm. my favorite one, the best one of the three. Incredible. Or how to lose Scotland for another generation <laughs> in one Labour leader. <laughs> he picked Three Lions or The Football's Coming Home song that everyone listened to in 2018 by David Baddiel, Frank Skinner, and the Lightning Seeds. Awesome. Why? <laughs> this is just, just, just purely to win back David Baddiel personally. <laughs> And it well, only I'll tell you that I'm very of, happy with the current iteration of the Labour Party. It only sort of works. Frankly. David Baddiel tweeted, well, I think he's almost certainly got my vote. And I'm like, well, he's being a bit coy, given that this was just for you, David. 
It's very micro targety. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, I think it's it, it's so cool, right? It's so cool to do a specifically English football song at a time when Scotland is entering uh, Euro 2020 for the first time in something like 23 years, and everyone up here is going to be completely fucking feral about it. And you're just like, yeah, no, three lions, it's awesome, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the main football song. Hmm. It's not like there's an election coming up that the SNP is gonna like brutally brutally own uh so yeah that's fine yeah mm. that's fine it's a uh, it's it's, well, it's when pure. when you say like one nation conservatism or one nation liberalism it turns out the one nation is england <laughs> that's right um well, quite frankly, I would have been a little happier if he had done it while wearing blackface but uh, <laughs> I'll take it um I suppose you can't see that on the radio, so what would be the point? <laughs> um, but also, right, like, honestly, how does that... Who is that impressing? Like, hmm, he picked the football... David Baddiel. David Baddiel only. <laughs> one man. One D. Baddiel. Yeah. It, it's, but what? There can be only one. David Baddiel is the electoral Highlander. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I like the idea that he feels as though the way that he wins back Labour's you know, position in terms of polite society, i.e. appeasing right-wing British media, is to give some sort of a, a, a reward cookie to every single one of the most unhinged critics of the last five years. So it's like, well, today it was him saying that he loves David Baddiel's stupid football song. Tomorrow it'll be, uh, we're going to give this gun to Rachel Riley and she can shoot anybody she <laughs> doesn't like on Twitter. Like, Damn, he's so electable. Wait, haven't like, I already done yeah. that? It's like uh, Franz Francis Coppola is just going to have an enormous 18-wheeler of gin pull up to her house every day. She, <laughs> she's voting Labour now, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, but even even if even even like what he's probably at, what he's probably thinking is, mm, I've got to seem sufficiently patriotic. Yeah, uh, no, it's it. Listen, it's on his desert island discs yeah. for the same reason it's in the soundtrack of Watchdogs Legion. <laughs> in that somebody has thought, oh, that sounds quite English, doesn't it? And they've just kind of gone, yeah, mm. fair enough. I just yeah. feel like when you focus yeah. group stuff this much to the point that it's so obviously inauthentic and based on literally nothing, it winds up being closer to that terrible game about London crime shit that we played on Twitch that yes, one time. Where like, of obviously, it's very obviously a bunch of game company devs in like not. Nevada making a game what they think England is based on like a Guy Ritchie movie and Austin Powers. And it's just like Boy, nothing about shut, it is authentic. Shut up, you chart and slag off me motor. <laughs> a direct quote from Keir Starmer on Desert Island. <laughs> but like, it's if what's so bizarre, right? Is even if it, he's if the claim is true that this hasn't been focus grouped, then there's just a focus group living in his brain, and it produces yeah, that's someone. Just, that's, that's just who he is. Yeah, it, it just produces like someone who doesn't like anything, who doesn't connect with anything, who's just there to be like, "Hey, you like this, right? I'm doing everything that I can to be whatever you want." And no one gives a shit. And it's Offer may not apply to viewers in Scotland. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the man that Kirstarmer's taken a limitless pill, but it just gives him the ability to like imagine Ipsos Mori polls. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we did ask Kirstarmer for comment, but all he told us was Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> and it's like, you know, what is and, and even at that point, right? Like 
all of this stuff where he's it's it's where you if you decided you can't offer anyone anything all you can really offer them is a feeling and that feeling is oh yeah i, <laughs> I like Kirk that van Houten, leader yeah. of the opposition. <laughs> i was gonna say can i borrow a feeling i've got a heart that needs healing <laughs> But in my case, it's the Labour Party that needs healing. Uh, Can okay, I we're borrow not gonna... an election? <laughs> we are absolutely... Touch my hand with your glove of love. <laughs> we are absolutely not going to top the realization that Keir Starmer is the Kirk Van Houten of opposition politics. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm going to move on. I got a startup. Mm. I got a startup in place. All right. Now, Here's the thing. I originally found one called Mind Tickle that's just had a hundred million dollars invested into it by SoftBank. Um, Excuse me. Yeah, Mind you found tickle. one called Mind, Mind, tickle. Mind Tickle. Yeah, Mind Tickle. Um, Mind Tickle. Mind Tickle. Let's have my mind that tickled. Like, that sounds like sexual Minecraft. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but but like PG rated sexual. Minecraft. But the thing is, it's just another like nonsense parody company for for companies to like spy on their employees. It's a way to like combine training yeah, for down economics. Yeah. It's a way to combine training for um, like sales staff with insights from platforms like Zynga. Uh, to try to like basically spy on people and use AI to make sure that they're saying the right things to your customers. Bazinga. Uh, that one's a little too samey, so I decided that my, the funniest thing about Mind Tickle is the name. Um, yeah. So I found a different one, and this was sent to us by a listener on Discord. Uh, it's called Kibbo. How are we spelling? Uh, uh, it's, is it K-I-B-O or is it K-I-B-O? Uh, second one, Nate. Uh, two Bs. Does it dispense kibble? I was going to say, is it dog no. food? You're listening to K-I-B-B-O. <laughs> <laughs> With Riley and the Gunch. <laughs> it's Riley and the Gunch. <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> sadly, Milo, you're close, but American radio codes are four letters, not five, so it would have to be the first spelling. Sorry, I'm going to be pedantic about right. this shit. But I'm also going to say, let's think. All right, Kibbo, Holy and it's not dog no, food not related. At, not in the slightest. And it is a K, not a Q. It's a K, yeah. Like, it's not a it's, quib. Okay. It's not a secret quibby. Uh, I'll even give They're you the- back. I'll Mr. even Snurrup give you- version of quibby. <laughs> I will even give <laughs> yeah, you- quibby, quibby is exactly the same as just changed its name <laughs> to Kibbo this time. I'm, I'm going to give you the fir a <laughs> first bit of-, of um, uh, 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 Marketing copy here as well. Uh, rethink your reality. Um, oh, okay. Is it like a second life sort of thing for like AR, VR, or just like <laughs> video game version of teleconferencing? Because I know that actually exists. Here's the thing, Nate. I would say in your acronyms, you got the you two of the letters you said are relevant, right? What VR, AR, and VR? Yeah, two of the letters in AR, VR are relevant, just not in that order. What AV? We'll find out. Um. Don't shelter in place. Shelter any place. Um. Uh. Is it like an alert system for school shootings? <laughs> that would be more useful than the thing that it is. Well, shelter in place is like when fucking shit's going on and you have to like yeah, like in. run, hide, fight, or whatever. Oh, so is it like a is it like a thing to do like a remote office setup, like a sort of I would guess like an all in one sort of video conferencing VoIP sort of thing so you can you can like monetize a platform for people working from home like an all-in-one for working uh, from home Nate I'd say you are not in the right ballpark but you're in the right sport what what does, you, what uh, does that mean up. well it means it means that it means <laughs> that you are you have gone to the right kind of category but 
Whereas, Riley, you've read too many of yeah. these copies. You're just like talking like them now. <laughs> um, maybe this will help. These days, when it comes to ballparks, we're all playing the same sport. <laughs> That's right. That's why here at Kibbo. <laughs> so, well, at Kibbo, we are actively working to build a diverse and inclusive community. We want to create okay. a more sustainable, affordable, mm. and equitable way of living that is open, welcome, and safe, and a safe space for people from all backgrounds. Okay. So I have a list. Oh, is of, it landlord shit? Uh, yeah, Milo, it's related to landlording. But I have a I have a list of their values, of and I want to see if you can guess what they are based on the list of values. Uh, rent seeking. Mm. Uh, it, there is rent seeking involved. Yes. Uh, we are kind, but nice. by means of seeking rent. Yeah. We, gotcha. Are we also cool. like inquisitive? Uh, we, uh, well, we are adventurous and we are explorers, and we are curious. Uh, Mm. Just asking me if I've ever thought of trying <laughs> wife swapping. Is this like a? Is this like a set up a fucking workers' dormitory sort of thing? That like, is now the yes, shoot. that's the correct ballpark. Uh, but there's still one thing that we're missing, which makes this worth highlighting. So, so, mm. so far, this sounds like a GCSE history textbook explaining the empire. <laughs> <laughs> so, is it like a? Is it like a thing for startups to like have a co-working, co-living space thing where you can? You can use this thing to like all rent the same Ooh, house in Palo Alto so for like fucking. Why does the kibbo so resemble the prison? Uh, so I'm going to take a few more. We take <laughs> responsibility for ourselves. We help others. We welcome strangers. We leave things better than they were. We respect privacy and value community. We are active. A lot of values here. This company has an enormous amount of values. Very value that's dense. That's good. Yeah, that's, that's the more values you have, the better yeah. you are. Well, we take an active interest in others. You know, so that's I love when that happens. Uh, Is this like social networking for landlords? <laughs> we ask others to join in. Maybe that should clarify things. We join mm. in. Oh, is it group sex? <laughs> yeah, this is such a group sex. We thing. take this is just like we've invented dogging. <laughs> we take the time to listen <laughs> and to explain. I would say there's a lot of similarities between what this is proposing and dogging, which will become clear as we as we finish this list. Well, is it like matchmaking for startups people? Uh, uh, by the way, you might not realize this. I'm intentionally taking a long time with this list of values because there are so many and they're so stupid. Um, we take care to not let others feel embarrassed, but we are ourselves not easily embarrassed. God, you're uh, right. It really sounds like dogging, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. We are adventurous. Join me in the lay-by, Mr. <laughs> Chapo. <laughs> we are adventurous. We are explorers. We are curious. Are you, are you familiar with the toilets at Junction 26 of the M4, Mr. Chapo? <laughs> we, we are doers. We take initiative. We are honest, open, and direct. Pioneers are pioneers. Yeah. Mm. So, um, basically, when we said, oh, what is this? Some kind of like a new dormitory thing. Um, you were sort of very, very close. I want to take one oh, more is round. Was it a mobile dormitory thing? Yes. Is it like you yes. live in an RV? Yes. Fuck. Yes. That's right. And it makes pizza at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I love to wait, live wait, wait, in wait, a wait, pizza wait, 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 wait. oven. I'm, I'm so. So what you're basically saying, Riley, is that this is this is like workers co-working space dormitory, but in an RV. Uh, in many RVs. <laughs> In a distributed <laughs> RV. Ah. I, I love to have the experience of like living in the Humvee from Generation Kill, but like we make <laughs> JavaScript. That's right. Hell yeah, there's no radio, but there's a guy singing. Uh, it is weird to me how they've managed to make living in a van down by the river aspirational. <laughs> 
Um, so the one other, well, so the interesting thing here, right? And now it's one thing. This is not their comp, their client isn't like a company that will rent vans for all its workers, but like give that a year. Um, it is simply just they say Kibo is a new way to live. Our vans replace your bedroom. <laughs> hmm. Cool. cool. <laughs> uh, talk about the great replacement. I come home and my bedroom's a van now. <laughs> Yeah, just all of the van startups merge seamlessly into one, and you live in the back of an ambulance that cooks pizzas. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. amazing. Since this company is completely studio, flopped in the Bay Area. As <laughs> we say, this company has flopped in the Bay Area, but has had knockout success in the greater home counties area. <laughs> it's just every man with a white van is like, hell yeah, I can be another kind of landlord. <laughs> Um, so our vans re- replace your bedroom as a mobile. I also love that. I don't. We've, want been, my we've been watching. Replaced. We've been watching Blue Van Man on the stream, but like we don't know that he's got like six JavaScript developers in the back of the van. <laughs> so our mm. vans replace your bedroom as a movable tiny home connected to remote locations and urban cities across the West Coast. So it's a states thing. Our yeah. Kibbo clubhouses. And it's also a detector van for the TV licensing authority. <laughs> That's right. You have to you have to like crank the fucking radar dish on the roof every so often. <laughs> our, our clubhouses are your home bases where you can relax, recharge, hang out, and be productive. So basically, cool. what you do is oh fuck me. Yeah. What we've what we've done is we've done some human trafficking. Like you're docking with the fucking International Space Station, but it's just a fucking common room. Yes, don't, that's right. don't give them that idea because they will start calling it that. Um, yeah, once again, it's amazing oh, no. to me. It's like the it's International like you, PlayStation. Your room is a van, and you have you have you smart hubs in like the parking lot of a VFW or something <laughs> like that. But they've managed to give it this <laughs> slick branding, you know, like the kind of shit that they put all over one single subway car in New York City, and all of a sudden it looks like something to aspire to. I mean, this reminds me. I had a soldier when I was in the army who said his goal was to get out of the army and open a mobile tattoo studio in a Winnebago and go across country tattooing people. And then it kind of dawned on him after the fact when people pointed out that uh, you have to have a license to do tattoos in literally every state and they're different in every state. So this kind of defeats the purpose of the Winnebago to travel around the country. And then he got kicked out of the army for heroin. Ah. <laughs> this, this mobile tattoo <laughs> studio is needles. highly illegal. <laughs> <laughs> so all he, uh, he should have done JavaScript instead of tattooing or heroin. Yeah, that's right. I'm, I, I, I'm Googling this because I need to know what their vans look like. Also, is it called Kibbo because it's like a kibbutz? Or? I do not I do not know. Oh, fuck. That would be incredible. Jesus. Oh, God. Um, kibbutz vans just sounds... like. I, I, have we told you about the, the Hasidic thing in, in like really Hasidic areas where they have the RVs to perform... Like religious ceremonies, they call them mitzvah tanks. I'm not <laughs> yes, joking. I've heard of those. <laughs> mitzvah tank, and you'll the see a fleet of them going tank. down Eastern Parkway in Brooklyn, like in and around uh, Yom Kippur and stuff like that. But dead serious, they and they'll sometimes, sometimes not only do they go down in fleets down the street, but they'll uh, be playing like what I might describe as um, sort of. Uh, fun songs in Yiddish about why you should be more religious and why we want Moshiach now. And like, so to me, the idea of a kibbutz van is just sort of that. I had not envisioned a sort of West Coast, sort of like, I'm a hippie, but for tech shit, living out of a van. It's also- It's not even a good van. It's quite a small van. I've just posted a couple of pictures. It's just a Mercedes Sprinter. Like, it's not even a good, like, it's it's not even a proper conversion. It's not even the long wheelbase one. It's the short wheelbase one. (laughs) You like to- Oh, no. You get to live in a small van. 
Would and you like to know how much it costs to rent the, one of these I, vans? I have the price sheet in front of me, actually. <laughs> um, uh, hang on, let me just bring it up. You know what's amazing is that picture, the second one you sent, Alice, of mm. the guy in like the shearling jacket and the girl in the jean cut-off jean shorts. That basically looks like a slightly happier version of Grimes and her then-boyfriend <laughs> defeated on their <laughs> fucked-up houseboat. It's only a matter of time before there's a houseboat, Kibbo. <laughs> so basically, here's what you get. To be a membership of uh, Kibbo, uh, you can pay $485 a year and that's five 24-hour passes for use at any Kibbo clubhouse based in wow, single occupancy. Five. Van not included. <laughs> so, How much is the van, though? Uh, the van? $1,000 a uh, month. Uh, sorry, uh, Alice. The options start at $1,500 per month. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. What? Oh, what? You could just rent an apartment. <laughs> no, no, not in, not on the West Coast. You couldn't. Not in San Francisco. Not now. I guess. No. No, not, in, not in San Francisco. But like, you can't fucking park that in San Francisco. You're going to be stuck in Merced, whatever the fuck. Well, here's the other thing, right? Um, yeah, your van is fifteen hundred dollars a month. Then, if you want full time access to the Kibbo clubhouses, that's a further nine hundred ninety five dollars a month. The TechCrunch on this oh. compares it to two other startups, <laughs> Hip Camp and. Enter, which has <laughs> two <off>. R's. <laughs> oh God! So this is how we react. That's the thing, right? Democratic governors are never going to do anything like you know, create and implement rent control, or Democratic mayors aren't going to do this either. Uh, they're never going to do anything but like ban sodas and keep giving money to police unions. And so, this is how we're solving yeah. the housing crisis in the states, I guess. The company. The company Tenter actually have a very interesting system where they get more people in the vans by hanging you up to sleep on hooks. <laughs> um, Worth like they got the an, like an they got an eleven million dollar valuation this year. Sure, so. yeah, because they're solving because what they're doing is they they are providing a terrible product in response to a real crisis where your alternative is nothing. Yeah, and uh, like the main thing on their website right now is become a camp keeper, earn extra income by hosting guests on your land, which you know lays out the. It's, we're just we're bringing surfs back. It's awesome. Yeah. It's Have you ever become a camp keeper? Um, so here's here's the other thing. If you want a second person to live in your kibbo with you, that's fifty dollars a night. <laughs> what? what? Uh, yeah. How do they, how can they tell? Uh, well, because there will be RAs stationed in each van. Oh, surveillance. <laughs> this is for like uh, this is for your clubhouse, so you can you can like get access to the clubhouse for yourself, but then get your like partner to so she can't come in. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> can you can you sleep in the can 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 your partner sleep in the van with you? Uh, My goodness, no. <laughs> If it's a big enough van, anyone can do anything. Who cares? <laughs> what are they going to do? Call I mean, the cops. Yes, they this will is an do anti -sex that. Anti-sex company. Yeah, oh, of course right. it is. Do oh. not get horny. Oh. Do I'm not. Sorry, fight. I mean, if you're, if if I if I'm issuing a life on fi <laughs> in fixed buildings to be a mobile fucking JavaScript coder in a van, I'm gonna be fucking at work. All right? <laughs> would you, That's would you like to like issue all worldly needs and wander the earth as a kind of JavaScript monk? <laughs> <laughs> this company would be very cool if they only let you have gay sex in the van. <laughs> yeah, I, I, lo I love the idea that uh, invariably. So, I mean, okay, I mean, I get the appeal in the sense of like a sort of this being kind of the same stupid digital nomad shit. But 
it feels like instead of it being like, oh, I'm going to work in New Zealand for six months or some shit illegally, obviously, Dave Courtney voice. Uh, <laughs> instead, it's like, oh, I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to travel around the West Coast in a van, which I mean, could be cool. Sure. But yeah, that's that's what that's what people do. That's what young people did in the 60s in between, like getting into cults and stuff. Mm. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, you do this for six months. You then you, 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 you murder down Sharon roots in Los Tate. Angeles. Yeah. You, you put down roots in Los Angeles. You get murdered by Charles Manson. <laughs> you go to Altamont and get stabbed i mean but it's just sort of like you can't really safely or legally park a van overnight i mean you can in like highway rest stops but like that that might be cool for two weeks that would get really grim for a year Mm. i mean i've driven all up and down i-5 literally from Mm. where it starts like at the border with canada all the way to where like it it continues to go down to san diego and like or splits off to i-10 to go to arizona like you can only do so much and anywhere else you're literally risking being towed or getting murdered if you try to sleep overnight in a fucking van the main place where you can park is a walmart right so you just spend a year of your life doing the grand walmart tour so look i mean if kibbo wants to get big what it has to do is create like some kind of franchising deal with like dead malls and dead walmarts all across (laughs) the country so but also something I'd point out too is that surely you can get a van if 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 the whole point like Kibbo isn't giving you a fucking job. No. Oh heavens. So no. like at, in the grand scheme and if they're charging extra on top for like the clubhouse thing where you can, you know, go yeah, and, and it's not even like a luxury van either. Like we've seen the vans now and they're not great. I mean cuz the idea being like the whole point of being like the person who lives in a van down by the river is that you're not spending $18,000 a year in rent, mm-hmm. right? Like Surely that's the point. And surely you could get a, a sprinter or some other van, like a, a van similar to that for less than $1,500 a month for a fucking car payment. Because I'm assuming that also doesn't include fuel, right, mm. Riley? Like they're not, they're not subsidizing fuel. Oh, they're not any of that oh, shit. Oh, goodness, no. Not at or all. Tolls, or maintenance Amazing. or maintenance on the van. Maybe maintenance because they're I kind reckon, of a landlord. Should we landlord, look up how cheaply it. you can buy a fucking camper van in America? Because I reckon it's <laughs> fucking cheap. For a used oh, yeah. one, I reckon you could buy a good camper van for less than ten thousand dollars used. So if Dude, you got that I've on seen a loan that, five like, years, like, the payments would be like two hundred dollars a month. I've seen Volkswagen combis, like good ones from the nineties, like not even the really old ones, but like ones that would are nineties, early two thousands, like ones that would have power steering, you know, automatic transmission, all like the shit would not be like you know vintage hippie vans. Would absolutely be like a car that you could rely on for yeah, like eight nine thousand dollars. Yep. Like, and cheaper than that, if you get one that needs a little bit of work. I mean, like, yeah, the idea being that mm. you would spend, I mean, you would, you would spend the equivalent, like $18,000, $1,500 a month. That's like what I paid in, in a rent in a studio apartment in Brooklyn, New York, not that long ago. Like, the idea of that being your fucking car is just, it's like, are you leasing a Bugatti? Yeah, also, uh, <laughs> otherwise, hey, don't like, forget, if you have a partner and you want to have access to like laundry and stuff, that's actually $3,000 a month. <laughs> Which is literally San Francisco rent. Yeah. Do they cover car insurance? Uh, they don't say if they do, so I assume they do not. Yeah. So, like, I mean, here's the thing, right? Like, unless the appeal is to eat an every fucking gross jack in the box on I 5, like, that's how you're going to spend your gap year while coding for, like, fucking, you know, like the, 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 the the remote dick sucking factory. That's then right. <laughs> I just don't see what the appeal is. Like th- th- this seems to me like the idea of selling an experience in a way that can be sort of build and itemized, as opposed to someone just giving like I want to live in a van for a year and then just doing it. Yeah. Well, it's it is it's essentially this it's is like the- a package. It's like a package gap year tour, but for living in a van down by the river. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> years ago, like twenty five years ago, there was a thing. Have you guys ever heard of 
of the uh, the American car company Saturn. They don't exist oh, anymore. I, I remember them. But they were really shitty, like boxy looking cars that were popular, kind of in the in the the nineties, and then I think they went away by the early two thousands. Mm. And I remember this commercial that they had. I want to say in like ninety four, ninety five, maybe I would have been a little kid, but like old enough to remember this stuff. Where the whole point of the commercial was, they're like, "Oh yeah, this is the recap of like our Saturn Jamboree, where like ten thousand Saturn owners just like came to like a camp together in Tennessee to be like, hey, we love each other because we all own Saturns. Like this is the whole like basically for some reason we all own these really ugly cars and we're just like, gonna get together for a weekend to celebrate our weird car ownership status." And it's like people actually did this. But I feel like this is just like a way more expensive and deranged version of that. Because those people, as insane as they are to spend a weekend being like, hey, let's go do Woodstock for Saturn owners. At least they went home afterwards and like had a normal house. <laughs> just find that they like, went home and found their bedroom had been replaced with a van. <laughs> um, well, yeah, because like this is, this is a classic example of what if we monetized the rot? Because you know, the, there needs to, people need housing. And uh, the market certainly isn't building any, or it's not certainly building anything approaching the right type in the right place. No, but and, you know what it is building? Vans. Yeah. And so instead, it's just like, hey, I guess, I guess we'll just try... The pure ideology here is branding this as somehow aspirational. Mm. Uh, but it's, it, it, the whole thing is, is it's that classic thing of all that is solid melts into air. The idea that you might live somewhere... <laughs> all that is solid melts into vans? That's right, it all melts into vans. <laughs> the, I, but, Keir Starmer would do this to prove that he is a white van man. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's true. L- living in like one of these horrible fucking, you know, like f- f- temporarily embarrassed future startup billionaire dormitories in San Francisco. You know, somebody just sweating through it, trying to figure out some way to make money and then sees it like two juxt- perfectly juxtaposed news articles in the Los Angeles Times. This is basically like California housing shortage, California van surplus. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like, it's, you, fucking Eureka! The, the, the very idea of like having a community, having, having a kind of home where you could have kids and so on and so on just doesn't exist. It's sorry. You need to have you, you, oh, sorry, no, your oh community van. is all work now, and yeah. your community is in the base station or whatever. There's the, there's hospital fucking markers on highway exits, and we are fucking in the van. And I am not using protection, so we're gonna have kids in the van <laughs> one way or the other. All right, it's gonna happen. If you take the pill, everything will be as it was before. You will have a wife and children and an apartment, but if you take the red pill. You will have van. <laughs> you may say to yourself, this is not my beautiful van. <laughs> so, look, here on TF, we've all taken the van pill. That's right. So, we're all driving around in circles in our recording van. Yeah, we're all we're driving around our different oh, vans van. in circles that we have to live in. Uh, we're just living in a series of dead malls. Uh, which That's are right. are the co- the mm. new like hip urban districts are just going to be the parking lots of dead malls filled with JavaScript professionals. Well, so, something that I think too about this is like That's you know right. if you were in a situation where this made sense to you, like hey I don't want to live in a city as insanely expensive as San Francisco and I have a job that I can do remotely. So I mean to me like I would say if if you're going to confine yourself to say the Western United States. I just don't understand why you wouldn't just get a place in, I don't know, like if you're going to be doing work with like a 5G router or modem or whatever, like a fucking MiFi, 
why not just go live in like, I don't know, Boise or Coeur d'Alene, Idaho or like Nevada or Montana or like one of these fucking places where you can get like a house house for like $600 a month. Because you, know, you like, want that reflected glory. You want that thing of being like on the West Coast, right? You want to you wanna live the, 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 the you want to be a boomer and live through a weird recursive interpretation <laughs> of the 1971 The Who song going mobile. That's exactly it. You want to be season five Don Draper? I got a van. I'm going to live in a van. I'm going mobile. There is one There is one more interpretation of this, though, right? Which is that any time you, you as a person, your rights as a worker or your expectations of having a house or property or whatever, any time those are undermined, the thin edge, end of the wedge is always lifestyle. Because people forget that Uber was introduced as a way for middle class people to just like earn a little extra Make money if extra they were born. money, yeah. And so if you're saying, oh, this is living in a van that you rent from us and also you rent your access to a, a, a washing machine and, or whatever, all of that, oh, that's a lifestyle thing, that's a lifestyle thing. If that catches on, give it a couple of years before all of a sudden it becomes some kind of, it becomes the new bare minimum of what like people who can't afford to like not have a gig job or people who can't afford to like live in an actual like static building get hmm. choose a life choose a van rent a washing <laughs> machine <laughs> <laughs> um, this is so fucking grim <laughs> yeah that's right so speaking i mean it's also it's it, it's crazy to me too because i mean i was just looking at this yesterday if you um if you're ever feeling particularly uh curious about when people talk about the housing crisis in california for example um, there's a neighborhood in Los Angeles called Skid Row, and its name is 100% based on what it uh, what it's what it is. Like it's it's basically a homeless encampment with like there is some housing there. But if you go do Google Street View, and, and I and I, I challenge you to do this, go look up Skid Row, Los Angeles, and do Google Street View around that neighborhood. It'll Google Maps will show you the demarcations of the neighborhood and try to count how many tents you see, because I'm telling you, it's end to end every block. And that's just a tiny fraction. But what if we monetize those there tents? are in California, in just California? There's there, there's estimated seventy thousand homeless people that they know of in Los Angeles. Now, Los Angeles is a city of about four million people. In New York, where I used to live, there was at one point an, a Girl Scout troop comprised entirely of homeless children, and this was, of course, reported in the news like a good thing because it was estimated that there were, and I am not joking, one hundred and ten thousand children in New York City living in homeless shelters. Mm-hmm. And that's just that's just that's just scratching the surface. That's just what they know of in cities where like they care to count. Yeah, demo, by the way, controlled by Democrats across mm-hmm. the board. Controlled it's by Democrats. Incentivizing oh, yeah. to learn to code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's and this is look. If the no, not for that guy. For our guy, <laughs> the boring guy. The Democrat, and that's the thing, right? The Democrat, the Democratic Party, and I think by extension, you can say like. Uh, the, probably we can, if you want to look through the the seer stones, probably this version of the Labour Party. Uh, it's, it has the only way it can promise you a better life is by its whiggish view of technology that things get better because some boffin <laughs> invents something that makes it better. But they're inventing living in your van, and then mm-hmm. the, and then the clever thing they do is they make it look like a lifestyle thing, and that's their solution to this problem. Is what if we put JavaScript people yeah. in vans? 
I'm excited for like this to it's continue, but it van keeps... who invented living in your van. <laughs> I'm excited for this to continue, but it keeps getting worse, right? And we get like lifestyle solutions to climate change invoked privation. Oh wait, are, that's going to be. Are you suggesting gorgeous. that uh, TF in in several years uh, I'll have like a same version of this conversation where I'll be like, yeah, but the thing is, you used to be able to live in a van, but now they're trying to say, oh, live in a station wagon is a lifestyle thing. But remember, the thin end of the wedge <laughs> is always lifestyle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I I, uh, I can envision a scenario in which it, it, the same thing is repeated, except instead of having your own van, you have your own shipping container on a, like an anchored container ship somewhere, and it's like, well, uh, we do play squash between the containers. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, like in the grand scheme of things, it is kind of aspirational. We do have internet. You know, I I think about this too a lot because I, I think if you remember in 2016, this was debated a little bit, but I mean, I was living in the US at the time, obviously, and it was like maybe a little closer to it. One of the talking points in Hillary Clinton's sort of platform, the Democrats platform in 2016, but before the event that we're not allowed to talk about. <laughs> the economic mess. Um, the event. Yeah, the, 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 do not mention the event. Was They basically said, build a, you know, we help to help to strengthen a ladder out of poverty. And I think that that's really, there's something very Kinda important in that. <laughs> it's implicit in that, is that the idea of the ladder out of poverty is that, that they basically want to create the, the understanding in society that anybody who would like, will, 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 will allow you to ascend if you work super hard, harder than anyone else, and anyone who doesn't ascend deserves it and deserves to suffer as much as possible. Mm. And maybe you could say mm. I'm being over-interpretive with that, but like that genuinely is, is Democrat mindset. Mm -hmm. is it's sort of like you know well we will we'll smile and we'll offer you a helping hand you know inter rhetorically you know and then we'll also tase you if you don't comply and if whereas the republicans are just well, like fucking die already you useless sacks of meat it, make us and money if you want to know sort of again i try i try, think we try not to talk too much about the u.s election but if you want to look at it from our lens which tends to be through which companies are getting what uh positions where what's the future for antitrust um Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, uh, in addition to all like all the people that like the architects of the Iraq war, the architects of the gig economy, all also on Biden's transition team. So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, more mm -hmm. more vans, uh, maybe vans are going to be top of the line. because It's a trash co waste disposal unit. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I do want something something the accountant genuinely said to me this morning, the trash future accountant, when uh, I was talking to him about uh, uh, some some financial stuff, and I asked him why would we pay someone five grand for arranging an arrangement that is entirely beneficial to them? And he just said, "Milo, please, that's called capitalism." <laughs> <laughs> so announcing the new uh, the new host of uh, TF, uh, that guy. Uh, yeah. No, but I've got um, yeah, I've got I've got he does listen. I, uh, hi. <laughs> Uh, I've got a <laughs> hi, few. Nick. <laughs> hi, Nick. Uh, I've got a few um, uh, more more things for us to carry on to, uh, because you know, given that the vaccine has been announced, and uh, you know there is um, and the Two various vaccines now, in fact. Yeah, several <laughs> several vaccines have been announced. Uh, speaking of which, before we go into that, by the way, um, all of the oh, excuse me, three vaccines because I'm being russophobic by uh, <laughs> not mentioning uh, Sputnik Five. That's right. Uh, ninety-two percent, baby. Oh my god, baby. the fucking the Russian vaccine. Ninety-two yeah. percent. The <laughs> ultimate troll. Literally the day after they announced the ninety percent effective <laughs> vaccine, Russians are like, "Well, how's this ninety-two percent effective?" <laughs> yeah, my, my, mine's actually ninety-five, but yours, th your thing's yeah. cool too, yeah. I guess. So the our, but the interesting our vaccine is actually an order borealis. <laughs> but the thing, the interesting thing here, and don't forget, is that uh, when 
when when uh, socialists, especially certain former socialist leaders of the UK Labour Party, say, "Damn, it would be great if we could make sure the vaccine was you know available to all," gets excoriated for saying, oh, "We needed the private companies to do it." Never forget that the only reason that the form of the vaccine is actually working, which works in mRNA, uh, was even kept alive as a methodology, was people in publicly funded universities and the pharmaceutical companies developed it into a mass product only when they were paid billions and billions and billions of dollars and pounds by um, <laughs> by basically yeah, us. And, and I mean, this, the same thing applies as always, it. which is, yeah, which is like... Well, it's kind of funny how well everything works when you set these like massive resources towards a single public goal mm. and then give them everything that they need. It would be interesting if we didn't have this like insistence that the government can never do that about anything else. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's almost like yeah. uh, you you could you could say, oh, the tractor production going well, comrade. It's like, well, the government did order this like large number of vaccines and it is going to mm -hmm. then distribute them, and it's. It, it did actually do that, you know. It's it's it was capable of doing yeah. things. Uh, it just, I guess, yeah. Live in a tractor, fuck it. Yeah, why not? This vaccine is <laughs> delivered in the form of a tractor. It runs you over, and you don't get COVID anymore. Mm. Um, but no, so that's, I, right. that's a, a brief vaccine digression. But look, I, I wanted to. I was thinking right because much of the talk is on returns to normal. The S and P five hundred market concentration is now well above what it was in two thousand of its top five companies. So that's good. Um, where mm. they're, uh, Carnival Cruise Lines, uh, a company that doesn't have any crazy debt issues at all, it's rocketing up to its former glory. American Airlines rocketing up to its former glory. General Electric, it's trading as though it doesn't now routinely borrow debt to pay the interest <laughs> on other debt. Uh, the zombie companies that we've talked about apparently have magically disappeared. Um, and there is a gigantic, there's a gigantic market rally uh, that definitely isn't any kind of, um, you might say, uh, unwarranted enthusiasm on the basis that sometime, at some point, somewhere, we're just going to be able to go back up to like 100% flight and cruise capacity at some point. Um, okay, hear me out on this. I think that cruises are the greatest hubris that mankind has ever invented. Because oh, point I think that's one, been proven. they suck. And point two, like, I recently found out how much of climate change is directly attributable to cruise liners, and it's fucking insane. <laughs> How much? Like, so that some aging boomers can like laze around on the deck of a ship and like take pictures of each other. It's like I can't remember the figures now, but it's like the the, the emissions of cruise. It's like crazy. Like it like rivals air travel, which actually has a point. That's right. Well, no, uh, seriously, heavy, heavy like cruise ships and uh, cargo shipping. Genuinely, like you can you you can get into double di you, you can get into double digit like carbon emissions for the entire world based on just like a like a couple dozen of the largest ships like it's just genuinely that bad. there's no grade of bunker oil that you can burn which is what these ships use to like power the engines that is not incredibly bad for the like terrible like if they were able if they were able to do uh you know electric motors like say that was possible for something that big and like I, they probably will someday but it'll probably be too late for for the fucking climate because i mean quite frankly we're uh you know like i mean th that stuff is not even really viable yet for like heavy duty trucks so mm -hmm. god knows it won't be for marine marine motors anytime soon it would absolutely make more of a dent to just swap out the motors of all these things to be uh, to be electric than it would to if you like if you grounded all flights for a year, mm -hmm. it would do less 
to reduce emissions and then you know, just fixing so that. Again, if only we had some kind of technology that we had used for centuries to propel ships, uh, some kind of like, I don't know, sheets <laughs> or... Yeah. But uh, so, what, mm. but what I'm—that's probably nothing. What, oh well. But what I'm talking what a shame about, that no such thing exists. But what I'm talking about here, especially right, is the is the idea of recovery, because the 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 point the point is that we have imagined, especially again at the heights of media and politics, that this has been a time delimited crisis that is now over, or at least the end of which is now in sight, when we can all you know go back and start you know, kissing each other in restaurants again. Uh, finally, hmm. a group of like right wing yeah, politicians will be able to like gather without all of them just getting COVID. <laughs> um, they love <laughs> doing that. But I want to think about that. I want to think about the experience of actual life in the UK. And instead of talking about this from a company centric point of view, like we usually do when we do macro segments, I want to talk about it from a, like, a little bit boring, but a kind of council funding point of view, the funding of things. Because if you remember, Right, the re the recovery from 2010 was a jobless recovery. Right, it was things were automated and casualized. Returns were were, dri were driven to capital. Wages didn't go up. Um, a smaller number of people got incredibly, incredibly richer. And I think if you start looking at just as an example case, what's happening with councils in uh, England specifically, you know, your go local councils, which we'll explain what those are, um, you can look at that as a kind of microcosm, a case in point of what the sort of defining trajectories of the next few years are like. And again, why those are political choices rather than, you know, uh, you might say, necessary developments that can be treated like laws of physics. Um, so count local councils for American listeners in the UK are basically like, they're, they're the unit of administration of government that dictates <laughs> most of your experience of interacting with the government. So they deal yeah, with Yeah, they take out the bins, which is the thing that like British people are most <laughs> psychotic about. Yeah, it's basically so for, mad about it, the, bins. the best way I could describe it is it's sort of like a combination of city government and county government. Most Americans would probably experience one or the other. Um but like for example, like 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 Riley and Alice just said if if you're getting your trash collected or your recycling collected, uh in some cases, you know, handling things like um, municipal stuff. There is not a lot of. I don't think there is any in England um, municipal like sewer. It's all privatized. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, they collect property taxes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and then there's they also they you pay them council tax. Uh, the hilarious, most regressive tax that we've talked about uh, in the world basically is is that you pay your landlords property taxes for them mm -hmm. effectively. Um, but also uh, they run things like most of the stuff's been privatized. But like for example, in the olden days, things like like uh, health and recreation centers, childcare things, mm -hmm. youth clubs, stuff like that, that would all be run by the local council. And I mean, you're, we do like I live in a, in a council that has active councillors and stuff. Like they do what they are doing things. But I mean, it is such a far cry from what it used to be in terms of it used to be entirely local local government run. And now the overwhelming majority of it is either entirely privatized or like public-private partnership. Yeah, well, a lot of basically the UK won't do anything that's not either privatized or public-private yeah. partnership. So a anymore. lot of what they do is that they act as procurement organizations where they'll like ask the same five, um, the same the cartel of five companies, you know, Serco or G4S or whatever, to come yeah, in, Carillion. And, yeah, to come yeah. in and bid to do something, mm. and then they'll be like, okay, Serco, you've won rubbish collection. Um, you know, Palantir, you've won policing, all that kind of stuff. It's a an organization of ways to like assign um, tax money to uh, a cartel of you know, profiteers. And what's interesting about them is that there is 
a legal requirement that they always have a balanced budget. So if you want to know why like everyone talks, it, it just wets themselves over hating militant in the 1980s. It was because uh, Liverpool, in order to like continue delivering services like a minimum standard of human decency, had to set an illegal budget. Um, and that resulted in basically the government more or less declaring war on Liverpool, at, which hasn't ended to this day. Um, yeah, that's that, that's never happened since. Yeah. Uh, and so you said, so you if you you must, it's illegal uh, to set to try. This budget is highly illegal. <laughs> it's, yeah, we, we need a Dave Courtney <laughs> who's going to be a local councillor. Highly counselor. illegal, scouse Dave Courtney. Well, <laughs> I've got a lot of flat nosed geezers, mate. <laughs> so basically, right. Um, you, if you try, if you try to set a budget that's not going to be slightly in surplus or at least balanced, based on what the government gives you to spend, so grants to local authorities, uh, the property tax you're able to take out of people renting property in your in your in your in your local area, awesome. or investments you've made, and to be honest, usually disastrous white elephants, um, then you have to file for something called Section 114, where you cannot spend any money anymore, and the government comes and takes over and basically runs you directly or through sort of closely appointed deputies. Um, and Croydon has just done that. Uh, hmm. So that's basically like if, hmm. I don't know, um, Yonkers, not Yonkers, maybe like, I don't know, a city in Long Island, like a city in Long Island close to New York City just declared uh, bankruptcy. I mean, I would actually, I think Yonkers or Mount Vernon is probably a better comparison. And yeah, you're right. Uh, like, basically, imagine a big city in Westchester County, because Croydon is, uh, I live pretty close to Croydon. It's, it's technically, part of it is a, technically a London borough, and then part of it is not. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like a big commuter city south of London. And yeah, um, so it would be, yeah, it would be like, it would be like Mount, Mount Vernon being taken into government administration. Essentially, yeah. And, and we, we yeah, should get but, into but why, in America, you have the, why they went bankrupt, which was extremely funny. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, before we, yeah. I'll, let, I'll let Riley explain that. The one thing I'll say beforehand is just that the, the only difference is obviously that in America, the administration part typically goes to the state first. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously in Britain, you just don't have that. It's either local council or it's the, mm. the national government. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so what, what's significant about this, right, is that all councils, because councils control stuff like, uh, certain elements of health and social care, uh, education. That mm. means, like, if your class sizes are limited, you have to hire emergency teachers. Like, it's expensive because they provide all of the services that are needed in crisis, basically. Um, and w- and so, when crisis becomes widespread, then the council obviously has to spend a lot more money. And yet, and when people are being evicted from their houses, then council tax is. Or when, when council taxes uh, are have been frozen, when government and the way that austerity sort of made it through to most people's lives was with slashing the amount of money that go- the government gave to local councils, you were essentially asking them to do magic, which led a lot of them to then be approached by um, you might say unsavory property speculators, who said sidled up to them and said, "Hey, you have no, you can't raise council tax except by a referendum above a certain amount." Um, legally. Uh, and that's also mostly taking off of renters in your area anyway. Uh, also, you... Would you like to partake in a highly illegal fire sale of public <laughs> assets? <laughs> and additionally, the government's not going to give you any money, and they're basically going to keep cutting your budget until they're not giving you any money at all, which means you need to be a semi-private institution, which means you need to start investing in land. And so councils, such as like Red Car mm. did this, they bought a WeWork, uh, Croydon bought like 
Awesome. A, a, a mall, like years after the whole uh, yeah, dead what, mall ba- thing. All back to dead malls. It's yep. all dead. It's dead malls all the way down. Yep, absolutely. Uh, a property. Yeah, he's my favorite dance music producer. Yeah, <laughs> and also <laughs> a, a property development company that built homes in Croydon that no one could afford. Hmm. Um, cool. And a, a hotel, a house, a hotel which has gone out of business. Um, but they and they the only way they were able to make those purchases is by borrowing that much money. So basically, the way that most people, the state takes care of people, right? Those have been pushed over the last 10 years into making psychotic bets in the financial markets um, and then have seen this massive spike in expenses. And so, and now are starting to go bankrupt. And 80% of councils in England are at risk of going bankrupt, or maybe England and Wales. I'm not sure about Scotland. Um, Croydon Council literally got roped into Project Zeus. <laughs> <laughs> Where, yeah. So if you think about that, 80% of councils are at risk of bankruptcy. That means, that basically means, oh, does your rubbish still get collected? Do your kids still go to school? Does grandma still get taken care of in the home? Can they afford their payments to Serco? Um, or even if they uh. are, even if they have been allowed by the government to like keep like, I don't know, patching up the crumbling infrastructure and roads, are they going to rebuild the bridge to be as safe as it needs to be? Are, are they going to rebuild? Man, the- this country is so fucking stupid. I just, I lose my, like, it just, we have a, a national obsession with just punching ourselves in the fucking face. Like, it just, I don't, I don't, like, it's maddening. Like, they don't, they don't take any obligations off local councils, which, okay, like, I mean, fair enough, because those things are important, like housing their constituents and so on. But they just, like, keep, like, playing kaplunk with the budget. Like, oh, what if this council, which already can't afford to do all the shit that it legally has to do, what if it just had less money? Like, well, obviously, like, bad shit is going to happen. Like, we don't need to, like, try it. We know that's what's going to happen. Like, just... F- ah! Well, if you... Like, the economics behind this is uh, is public choice economics, and that was something that became popular. Oh, boy. So I th- love public choice. Yeah. <laughs> so that... Who could be mm-hmm. against that? Yeah, well, public choice economics... Isn't that one became, of the things in Monopoly? It became popular sort of off the back of Milton Friedman, because with, with monetarism and stuff like this, or with neoclassical economics generally... You need to not just have your theory of why the private sector is great, but you need to have your theory of why nothing democratically controlled could ever deliver anything good. And so public choice economics was developed, Mm -hmm. which basically sort of said, well, anyone who isn't um, uh, uh, sort of doesn't face competition pressures is going to work as hard as they can to make sure they deliver as little as they can, whatever they're supposed to do at the highest possible expense. Mm -hmm. So it's basically the flip side of the competition theory. And so public choice is just like, is basically just like, well, um, we're going we're gonna to hire bad teachers because there's no one in the market who's forcing us to hire good teachers because it assumes like, Oh, everyone's oh that's, at- a, that's a fucking galaxy brain theory, isn't it? That like a, like a monopoly is bad when the government has it because it'll encourage inefficiency. But what if instead we gave that monopoly to a private fucking company who that theory absolutely will not apply to for reasons? Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, because then, because the thing is, right, uh. you give all your teacher, uh, you give like, and this is even something Matt Ford talked about in his terrible book. He was like, I just couldn't mm. understand why the residents of Stoke-on-Trent were worried that <laughs> Matt private- Ford yeah. here being played by David Baddiel. <laughs> I was just worried that the res- I just couldn't understand. Yeah. Why. The residents of Stoke-on-Trent didn't want private companies and employers in their areas to also fund their schools because the, clearly the government wasn't doing a good job, but they never looked beyond that. So anyway, what you have now is 80% mm. of councils in England basically being like, 
we can't the thing you pay for the thing you pay your council tax for yeah, and the thing the you the st- and the stuff you pay all your taxes to the government mm. to and stuff um they're sorry uh i don't know figure out what to do with the bins just maybe club together with your neighbors and do something by the way you still have to pay these taxes though yeah. but we're not going to do any of the Great stuff that you like volunteer bin force yeah we're not going to do the anything pe- the pedo hunters have to start taking out the bins <laughs> <laughs> they're the only people we can turn to and so if you want to understand like, what the political implications of this are going forward, you just have to compare Croydon and Northamptonshire. Northamptonshire is a, a solidly Tory area with a solidly Tory council. It went bankrupt two years ago. Uh, two years ago, then, uh, the government essentially swooped in. Because the reason it went bankrupt, by the way, is because they were like, allow- they tried to run the council like Galt's Gulch. Where they mm. they basically refused to collect council tax except for the bare minimum that they were legally obligated to do. Um, they awesome. sort of, they they tried to privatize literally everything. They tried to make it so there were like no council employees. They tried to basically just destroy themselves as a public body and provider of public goods. And then uh, the conservative the the government this is king yeah the government took over in 2018 and then essentially. Allow, channeled money in to fix things, allow, forced them to raise taxes, and forced them to basically keep functioning, more or less. Now, uh, Croydon, Croydon can't get a call back because it's a labor area. I'm not saying because it's a labor area. Rather, Croydon, a labor area, cannot get a call back from Robert Jenrick. Yeah, you're, you're not implying that. You're merely like mm. yeah. heavily suggesting yeah, indeed. That, that those two yeah. facts are I'm connected. I'm merely presenting no. those two facts alongside one another. I'm not even, no, I'm not even, I don't even need to imply that. Like there is, it's, I believe it is a third, there's a 30% greater central government spend in Tory controlled local authorities and in Tory constituencies than in Labour controlled local authorities and parliamentary constituencies. Huh. So with, if you mm. want to put all the. Riley, remind me which of those constituencies tend to be more deprived. Uh, the labor ones. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it makes sense. Yeah. So basically, if you want to put all that together, if local authorities in, in, in at least England, uh, if not England and Wales, are about to be, have a much more direct relationship with uh, the national government, follow me here, and if the national government mm-hmm. has a proven history of basically paying off its own, paying off its own voters, and sort of, and determining even COVID restrictions, voters. they were determined in many cases local authority by local authority with preferential treatment given to Tory ones. In that case, hmm. certain areas seem like they're going to continue to get bin collection, and other areas seem like they might not. Hmm. Hmm. Bins are for closers. All right. Look, <laughs> if you can't afford a bin, don't make any rubbish. Simple as. <laughs> So, you know, you ask yourself, what will recovery mean for public services in the UK? Probably it depends where you live. And it depends hmm. how Brexity and Borisy your local authority is. Oh, yeah. Throw your, empty your bin into Boris Johnson's yeah, fucking garden. I love the idea that you can't have services if you vote the wrong <laughs> way. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I mean... To be honest, this is not that different than the way that the American federal government treated both, well, Trump treated blue states or Democrat voting states during the COVID pandemic when it came to PPE and equipment, but also how the American government has treated states with large minority mm-hmm. populations since, uh, since, 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 yeah, New Orleans is a great example. I mean, 
many Trash Future listeners, uh, depending on how young you are, you may not remember the story of Hurricane Katrina and in 2005 and the consequences. But one of the consequences was that uh, in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina and the, the total abandonment of their impoverished population and um, the just utter destruction that it, it wrought on the city, uh, there are no public schools in New, in New Orleans anymore. They're all charter mm-hmm. schools, every single one. There are no state-run schools. Mm-hmm. They're all privately run. And I can point you in the direction of a columnist from the Chicago Tribune who I believe in 07 or 08 wrote that Katrina was the best thing that ever happened in New Orleans and she prayed for a Katrina moment in uh, in Chicago in which their public schools would also be destroyed. Mm-hmm. Gotta get God back in there. A Mrs. J. Ball. <laughs> Chicago. So you gotta understand that like this, this is not a new concept. It's just that um, Britain's way of doing it is gonna be, well... M- it- like more smug and condescending perhaps mm-hmm. but also in a way moreover imagine attending the Toby Young Academy in New Orleans yet no one will be held to account because all of the people doing it are like you know secret stick your dick in a pig's mouth club members you know fellow members with the people in the in the press like if you work in the british media and you're also privately educated and you also know all these people and you go to the same fucking tedious sewn to dinner parties with the same people like no one's gonna fucking criticize this they're gonna say it's a good mm-hmm. thing like those damn mm-hmm. profligate labor lefties in fucking croydon yep. i'm sure and i'm sure if you dig into croydon's council it's like it would be to the right of the tories in the 80s oh certainly but you know what nothing's ever good enough no mm-hmm. and the thing is right if you add that then together with like the sort of you look at the various controversies around like the Tory party unable to stop enriching itself off of sort of poorly supervised pandemic spending and and so on and so on then uh, what's to say that when it comes time to like you know provide uh, the population of Croydon the bare minimum of um you might say the things you get from living in a modern state to keep them from like i don't know still bought into society enough to keep going to their like van job or whatever um that's going to be <laughs> just becomes what, like a medieval township well, like, that's go- you have to walk in the middle of the road because people are throwing buckets of human shit out their upstairs <laughs> well, windows Milo, you like, sort of- everyone's going around on donkey for some reason yeah no croydon croydon is just the the last 20 minutes of threads and everywhere else down the road is normal <laughs> but that, but that's the thing Ye right croydon when when it comes time for Croydon to like pick the sort of the waste collection company, oh gee whiz, are you saying it's owned by Liz Truss's cousin? Ah, oh, what another coincidence! Uh, where you know, yeah, they they, they charge ten billion pounds a year, and they have um, they have three trucks, and uh, you have to pay for it through council tax, which we can now set. So awesome. You know, and that's Thank why I said, you, right, the, the, the recover, the shape of the of the new normal, it looks like after this, it's not going to be post 2010. It's not going to be post 2000. It's not going to be post 1930. It's not going to be mm. post 1847. It's going to be 1066. Hmm. That's what we're looking yeah. at. We're looking okay, at- look, a message, a message to Trash Future listeners in Croydon. <laughs> Praxis right now, what it looks like is wearing a cloth cap and coarse woolen garments, shitting in a bucket and throwing it out of your upstairs window. <laughs> that is right. how we're going to win this. Yeah, because that's the thing, right? You get in, in this new scenario, um, you are born to one of a select few families who came in and basically rode roughshod over everything. Uh, in that case, you are owed patronage and rents by people who... Um, basically work but the only difference is it's not agrarian <laughs> you know, your own Mittens oh, advent the is back. the council tithe 
Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it seems to me that this is just something that you pay to go directly into the pockets for the enrichment of, I don't know, yeah, like Liz Truss's cousin, because he's born into a, what is essentially a Tory aristocratic family, yeah. uh, or one of their he's outsourcing partners. Um, and you are, uh, yeah, you pay a tithe, and what you get back is not put in jail. Hmm. Yeah. So, cool. I think that's... That's fine because I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, I welcome you all to challenge me about this. I'm sure Eleanor Yanaga, a friend of the show, is going to be raging and spitting and throwing her phone across the room when I say the comparison is 1066, um, because she's a, a medievalist. But I, what, what do you all think? Is that is that fair based on what we've talked about here? I think it's very funny that um, the Magna Carta freaks are right, but in a way that they don't even realize. Uh, <laughs> And that we've ju we've just radically redefined uh, the way power works in this country on a very sort of technical basis, to the exclusion of the vast majority of people again. Mm -hmm. I I mean I guess to me the thing is is that I think one of two things is going to happen. Like I've seen some bright spots of hope recently. Um, you know, there I want to say it was UCL hospitals, but basically like. Cleaner is basically going on strike and, and getting a new contract and a pay rise where they're taken in-house and paid directly and not paid via Circo or whatever the fuck. Uh, you do see those periodically. And either you're going to see people start to realize that they, you know, that they have to agitate for their rights as workers, um, whatever their industry mm -hmm. is, and, or you're going to see more and more of this kind of sliding into more precarity. Mm -hmm. But I guess the point that I would make is that you know, you're looking at a situation where this has continued to get worse for the last 40 years. There has been no real improvement. Even under New Labor, it got worse because they continued the same. If anything, they were more enthusiastic in their application of Thatcherism than Thatcher was. And you find yourself in a situation where, you know, I'm 36. Uh, there are people five, six years older than me who have only ever known this and things only have ever gotten worse and when you get to a point where the boomers are dying off you will actually have a large segment of the population of the united kingdom the overwhelming majority of these people basically watching their lives get worse and i see that ending one of two ways mm -hmm. either you see more labor and trade activism and you see you know that kind of solidarity building in order to force concessions and to reorient the system from extraction and and you know rent seeking or you see it continue to get worse but you see that same kind of solidarity building take place amongst racists and xenophobes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then the country becomes even more hostile and violent while the economic situation continues to worsen and i mean I don't want to be too much of a doomsayer, you know, like here, but uh, I do know British people decently well after living here for two years. And like, sadly, I feel as though my money's on the second, even if I hold out hope for the first. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it, I think it's the thing is, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's, um, whether you say it's a sin to despair. Um, you know, it's if you do. If, yeah, very if, easy, though, which is true of all sin. It's right? true. It is, it, is a, yeah. it is a sin to despair, but also it is a sin to engage, I, uh, personally, I think it's a sin to engage in muddled thinking when the possibility for intellectual and moral clarity sort of sits right in front of you. When you can, when you can see these things, when you can understand that these things are happening, and when you can understand that you can under, you can understand from a material level 
the baseline incentives as to why they would happen, who can make them happen, and why. You are, you owe yourself and everyone else around you who stands to like you know be on the wrong owe end. Yourself and everyone around you. <laughs> <laughs> you owe yourself and everyone around you the sort of the the. the you, the understanding, to, to, at least not even if you tell them about it, but to, to at least understand it yourself. What is going on for the people who are not going to be in this sort of rapidly co- like coagulating um, non-agrarian aristocratic class? Like the financialized aristocrat who uh, the, even the, pre- the premise that they are a knight that defends the land or that they maintain this farmland or whatever, that's gone. It's pure. It is even like the fig leaf explanations are gone. And hmm. to not see this is reactionary. To not see this is a sin. But to not to not hope and work for the best outcome, also equally, unfortunately, a sin. So yeah. very very easy to despair. Workers' but... revolution led by Dave Courtney. <laughs> that's right. All right. So I think that's look. I I wanted to talk about the Deutsche Bank proposing an extra tax on people for working at home, but maybe we have Grace Blakely coming on next week. So let's talk about that with her then. Um, nice to do that. Yeah. Uh, so instead, blades. yeah. So instead, uh, I'm going to say a, a, a very sincere uh, this week ending and a very sincere thank you for listening to everyone here uh, in in podcast land and indeed to everyone um, who is also going to be d- doing the five dollar Patreon subscription as per usual. I think mm. we have a Britonology and a bonus this week. So get well, the getting's good. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. And uh, also, you know, don't forget... Live streams. Yeah, live streams, Thursdays and Sundays at 9 p.m. UK time. That's 4 p.m. Eastern uh, on twitch.tv slash Trash Future Podcast. We basically just watch YouTube videos now because that's the most fun we've ever had doing that. That's right. Um, Absolutely. And that's absolutely right. And will the... uh, Milo, will we... By the time... Oh, this is going to be out tomorrow. We won't have shirts ready, will we? No. Okay, well, very soon. Watch this space. Listen to this space. Yes. There, we, I, 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 I don't know anything for sure, but we may have uncovered another box of shirts in the old shoe polish factory. <laughs> mm. Why did we the buy old, that old shoe, shoe polish, polish factory anyway? We're, we're a local, it's a TF <laughs> oh, local a council. A T, no, TF local council yeah. had to buy a shoe polish factory. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, and, uh, and remember, if you're based in Croydon and you're despairing about the situation, there are some solutions, but they're all highly illegal. <laughs> yeah, well, That's if, right. If you're based in Croydon, we can sell you a uh, rough wool spun leather uh, jerkin or, or a w- rough wool spun jerkin <laughs> or a leather doublet. Um, and a wooden bucket. <laughs> or a wooden bucket with the Johannes Vonk and the Clogheads tour dates on it. That's right. It's made of clogs. <laughs> that's right. Um, <laughs> all right. I, I think that's about it, it for today. Uh, thank you to all my co-hosts. Thank you to everyone listening. Uh, and we'll see you on the Patreon later this week. Bye. Later. Bye. Bye. Bye.